Hey, take out your Bibles, if you would. We're going to go to John chapter 15 and take out your bulletins. And in the bulletins, there's a note page, and we're going to get into a message, part two of our series, Recharge. And we're basing this series on our little iPhone devices. We're a device culture. We have our little phones, and we need these phones charged, and we put so much energy and time and effort into making sure these things are charged up. And we should, because, come on, frankly, we're lost without these things now. And uh, I shared this with the Saturday night service last week. Didn't share it with you, uh, but I will share it now. You know, a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, my daughter and I were in the car, and she was having a conversation. She said, Dad, I wish I was born when you were born. And I said, why? She says, you know, before these devices, like, we, before we got all these you know, complicated devices, this life is all about all this stuff on this device. It was so much easier and better back then, wasn't it? And I said, no, <laughs> it stunk. That's why we invented these things. We used to have to stop on the side of the road and ask people for directions. How many remember those days? I hated those days. I like being able to ignore everybody and find where I'm going, I, amen. No, I'm just kidding. But really, though, we, we invented these to make our lives better. And if we use them properly, I believe that our lives are better. So did you see, though, on the way in today, we have recharge stations for your phones out in the lobby now. Isn't that cool? Aren't you happy? Are you awake? We do this for you. <laughs> so charge up your phone. Uh, you can leave it there during the service if you want to. And... Um, if they get stolen, well, you know, suffer loss for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Today's message is titled, titled, Wired Up. Somebody say, Wired Up. Wired. Okay, I hope you're fired up to get wired up. Today, John chapter 15, let's take a look at the scriptures first. So, uh, if you're already there, that's good. John 15, would you stand with me? We read the word of God standing to give God's word reverence, honor, and priority in our services. And so today we hear the very words of the living God from the Lord Jesus himself. And he's speaking to the disciples in John 15, and here's what he says. I am the true vine. Somebody say true vine. True. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Some translations say gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, the last verse we're going to read. 
that you love one another as I have loved you. This is God's word. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us today. Father in heaven, the moments that we gather in this room to hear from you are so sacred. And we don't take lightly these words of Jesus. We ask that his voice will be clear. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight in these moments. May we be renewed in our minds, transformed in our beings, and may our lives be lifted up to be fruitful in every area of our lives as we abide in Jesus. And may we see him and him only. In his mighty name, we pray these things. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a seat. God bless you. So again, we're talking about, you know, being charged up. Recharged is the name of the series. And we spend so much time charging these things. But what about these things? What about our bodies? And not just our physical bodies, but what about our spiritual bodies? We're going to face trials. We're going to face troubles. We're going to face difficulties, challenges. Fights, you could say. The Bible talks a lot about fighting and warfare, spiritual fighting, spiritual warfare in the New Testament. We don't fight people. We fight in the spiritual realm. And those fights are going to come. Are you going to be strong enough for the fight? That's the series theme. That's what we're trying to get across to you. That's what I'm trying to teach you. Because there are things that we should do as Christians that will empower us to win spiritual battles in our lives. In our, mess, in our passage today, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And I thought about, a vine looks a lot like a charging cable. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a vine? This is like a modern day vine. If Jesus was sharing these words with us in modern America today, he wouldn't say, I am the true vine. Do you know why? Because none of us see vines every day. Um, we see charging cables all over the place. And so I believe that Jesus would say today, I am the true charging cable. If you want power in your life, get connected to me. Now, in my home, because we have so many phones, there is this constant struggle for who stole my iPhone cable? Anybody with me on this? You know what I'm talking about? I hate this. My children are always stealing my cables. And I have to search for them and find them. And my wife and I, we resort, and she steals from me too, by the way. We have to resort to writing our names on our chargers because we don't want them stolen anymore. And I write my name on mine, and she writes, hers on hers, and uh, you know, I, I make sure that there's always one in my office here at the church. I, I want to make sure that I always have power for my devices here at the church, and I, I usually put my charger here in the church because that way I know my children and my wife will never steal them from me. So I have a picture of my charger uh, in the church office here, and we can put that up on the screen. That's my charger here at the church. <laughs> Cheryl's not in the service. Don't tell her about that. Just keep that on the down low. Okay. <laughs> You need, though, if you know what I'm talking about, you need the right charger. Now, because we have several devices, we have the other devices that have different kinds of charging cables. And every once in a while, I will think that I found a true Apple charging cable, and I don't. I get one of these suckers. And I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting, 
but this is not an, a lightning connector. This is one of those other kind of connectors for those phones from the devil. Um, this, is, this is a non-Apple charging cable. And I don't know how many times in my life and my week I get the, I get the Samsung cable psych out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I think it's an iPhone charger. I get so excited. I'm like, finally, I'm going to have power for my phone. And then I plug it into the USB and I plug it into the Oh! Curse you, Samsung. Curse you. Why do you exist? No, I don't know what this is for, but uh, it's for some other device in our home. And then every once in a while, too, I'll fall for this kind of cable. Now, this has the lightning connector, but this is not an official Apple connecting charging cable. This is a, they call them third party, which I, I think the third stands for third rate. Come on, somebody. Because these things last about two weeks, right? <laughs> And then they get free. You can get these at CVS for about $3. Do not fall for the cheap imitations. They don't last as long. And so what happens in our lives, in our device life, actually, is a lot, is very similar to what happens in our spiritual life. That we got to make sure, friends, that we are properly connected through the proper channels to God's unlimited power. Let me say that again because you didn't get it. We got to make sure that we are properly connected to the proper channels to God's unlimited power. Amen. And God has power for you, but unfortunately what I see is that too many Christians are not properly connected to that power. Here's the theme of the message today. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. The theme of the message is you can't just be a Christian. You have to get connected. You can't just be a Christian. You can't just come to Easter service and be excited that we had a great Easter service. You have to come back. You did that. Congratulations. But you have to also do some other things in your life to stay connected to your life source. This is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He says, I'm your connection. I'm your vine. I'm the source of life. I'm the thing that will empower you when life comes against you. And what many of you don't realize is that life naturally and normally comes against you. There are so many agricultural principles in the Bible, so many agricultural principles to apply to our spiritual life. We're called the planting of the Lord. We're called oaks of righteousness. We're called, the word of God is called the seed. Um, uh, our hearts are like soils. All these agricultural principles. And I thought about this. What do you need to do to let chaos happen in your garden? What do you need to do to let chaos happen in your garden? Nothing. If you do nothing, you will naturally get weeds, you will naturally get an unproductive soil and an unproductive plot of land. So many Christians are doing that with their spiritual lives and then, then life comes at them and things happen to them and they don't know what to do and they're stressed and they're worried and they're broken and they want to give up and they don't realize that if they had stayed connected, if they had stayed diligent in their garden, they would have been able to be strong when that day came that they weren't expecting. And I want this for you. That's why we're doing this series that you are connected to the life source so that whatever the devil throws at your life, you can stand strong because you know you've got a connection to the living God with unlimited power so that no matter what the enemy does, God's greater in you and working through you. But you got to get connected. 
You gotta stay connected. Jesus said, abide in me. You can't bear fruit if you don't abide in me. If you don't abide in me, you wither and die. And I think about this like this is just life. Life naturally brings us down. I go to the mall a lot. I am not ashamed to admit that. Um, and if you go to the mall, you'll know that every once in a while, the escalators in the mall, one of them's broken. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. How many know that it's always the up escalator that's broken? Always the one that takes you up. Never the one taking you down. The one taking you down, no problem. I think the one taking us up all the time is kind of tired of carrying our sorry butts all the way up the stairs, to be honest with you, and wants to break down every once in a while. But the up one, it seems like the up one's always broken. Now, to be honest, it's probably not true. It's probably equal, you know? Maybe they shut them down equal. I don't know. It seems like the one that's going up is always broken when I'm there. And I thought about this. This is like a, this is like a parable for life. In life, the up escalator always seems to be broken. What I mean by that is this. No one or very few people are going to be uppers in your life. Very few things are going to naturally empower you. However, the opposite is true. Life is always going to offer you the down escalator. It's always going to try to bring you down, drag you down, suck you down into a morbid, despondent existence. And you've got to be strong. So don't wait for the up escalator to be broken. Start tapping into the, God, to the power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ so that when, that when that downer comes, you can actually run up the down escalator if necessary because you know that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. <laughs> Stay connected. I want you to have a life in Christ that is strong, not driven by the winds of culture and change. So how do we do it? We gotta have some practices. We gotta have some spiritual practices in our lives that empower our spiritual lives. It's very simple. Just like a boxer trains for the big match and a marathon runner runs all the time to prepare or a, a, uh, a physician goes to medical school or a lawyer goes to law school, you gotta have some preparation things that empower you for the moment. It's not just going to happen because you come and listen to me yell at you for 45 minutes. God wants to empower you personally. So, four things and then we're done. Number one, I am energized through the genuine connection to Jesus. A genuine, somebody say genuine. A genuine connection to Jesus. Now, Jesus did this regularly. And he does it here. And what he does is that he gives us an opportunity to test ourselves. Are we really in him, genuinely connected to him, or are we just formally connected to him? Listen to what he says in verse one. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What is Jesus saying? There's two kinds of people that say they're Christian. There's two kinds of people who say they believe in Jesus. There's one who does not bear any fruit, and there's one that is fruitful. Two kinds. I like to say it like this. There's the formal Christian, and then there's a vital Christian. The formal Christian, think about that word formal. We get, we get another word from the word that we get formal from, form. In other words, we have a form of Christianity. We go through the motions. 
We go to church. Maybe we got confirmed or baptized or we went to a class or we went to Sunday school. Maybe our parents brought us to church all the time and we heard it and we even liked what we heard and maybe even we believed what we heard. But truly, deep down inside, there is no genuine connection to Jesus. And because there's no genuine connection to Jesus, we do not have the fruits of God bearing out in our lives. The fruits of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of inner transformation and outer reaction to what God has done inwardly. And so we're always angry, we're always upset, we're always off guard, we're always acting out and reacting to what happens to us. And the reality is, is just because we've gone, we've gone through the form of Christianity, but there's no true change in our lives. This is what Jesus is asking us to check in each one of us. On the other hand is the vital Christian. The vital Christian doesn't just go to church because they should. The vital Christian goes to church because they know they need the word of God. They love the Lord Jesus. They want him to speak into their hearts. They know the change that he can bring. A vital Christian is not going to react to everything that happens to him. He's going to act in accordance with the word of God no matter what the devil tries to do, no matter what happens. You know, you can throw tragedy at a vital Christian and they'll still hold on to Jesus. You can throw divorce at a vital Christian and they'll still stay strong in their faith. You can throw hardship and heartache and letdowns and breakdowns. You can throw hurts and hangups at a Christian and they won't let those things penetrate to the inner recesses of their hearts and make them bitter. No, they will have the joy of the Lord and they will bear all things and they will stand in all times because they know that God is for them and in them and they've got a vital connection connection to the one who created them. So my question is, are you a formal Christian or are you a vital Christian? This is what Jesus wants us to check. Is there fruitfulness there? Are you seeing God's work in your life? It's not going to be overnight, just like a garden doesn't grow overnight. But are you moving in the right direction? Are you getting less bitter or more bitter? Less angry or more angry? Less jealous or more jealous? Less lustful or more lustful? What's happening? What's the trajectory of your life? Jesus says, check the trajectory. And here's what God does with his vital Christians. This is what he does. When you have a genuine connection to Jesus, he prunes you. Oh, he doesn't let you go on your own. He prunes how does the father prune? This is in your notes. How does our father prune? Letter A, disciplining events. He puts stuff in your life that you don't want because that's what discipline is, right? Discipline, by definition, is stuff we don't want to do so that eventually we can do the stuff we formerly could not do. Oh, that was good preaching right there. <laughs> Discipline is the stuff you don't want, but listen, it's always temporary, and it has a resolution. It has a goal, a purpose. Discipline is temporary pain for long-term pleasure. And this is what Jesus is, oh, not, the, not Jesus, but the Father is constantly doing to you, his vital, those of you who are his vital and genuine Christians. He's going to put a relationship in your life that's difficult. He's going to give you a 
difficult child, maybe. My wife and I had two, and we thought we were through. Then we got the third one seven and a half years later, to the day. When we used to go to the restaurants with our first two, we would have strangers come up to us and say, can I just say to you that your children are so well-behaved? This used to be our experience. <laughs> then God gave us one of me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's challenged, but he challenges us and he sharpens us. And so too in your life, you're going to have challenging relationships. And here's my, pro here's my question to you. How do you respond? How do you respond to the disciplining events of Jesus in your life? He's going he's gonna to give you a, 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 a not, he's not going to give it to you, but he's going to allow maybe a sickness, maybe a tragedy, maybe a hardship to chisel you and sharpen you. This is what happens with a lot of Christians. I see this happen because they come to Christ. They even go through the waters of baptism in our church, and they get so excited, and they're so happy, and they're so joyful, but then stuff starts happening that they don't want. And before they know it, they're out of the church. Because this is what I know. Well, I guess that doesn't work. I guess that doesn't work. No, 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 no. Don't forfeit the pruning process. It's temporary pain for long-term promises. It's temporary discomfort for ultimate comfort. It's temporary training so that you can win the race marked out for you. Because when you come to Christ, you are not yet prepared for all the things God wants you to do. But if you let the pruning happen, you will be prepared and chiseled and strengthened and empowered so that when you are stronger, you're able to do far more for the glory of Jesus' name than you ever thought possible. The disciplining work of God. It says, for the moment in Hebrews 12, 11, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained from it. Let her be. How does the Father prune us? The words of Jesus. Because Jesus says, you are clean. And the, and the word clean is katharos in Greek. It's the same word for pruning. And uh, he says, you are clean by the words that I've spoken to you. Katharos uh, is a word that we get cathartic from. Now, we think of cathartic as, oh, there's an ex that's an experience that like, kind of brings relief to my, my soul. And that's true, but there's another definition to the English word cathartic, and that is medicine. And the word katharos in Greek is actually to be purified by fire, heat. The word of God is fire. It burns sometimes. And you should love a church that isn't afraid to burn you once in a while. Because that will help heal you ultimately. A preacher that tells you the truth. A preacher that doesn't pander to the cultural mandates of the day. But a preacher that is willing to say, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, here's what God's word says, and I know the culture and the world doesn't like it, but we're going to say it because... God's word remains. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. The word of God endures forever. We're going to go with that, and sometimes it burns. And here's the thing. I thought about this illustration. You know, I'm, I'm 41, and I'm, uh, I'm experiencing pains that I formerly did not experience. You know, I'm getting to that point. I'm jealous of my children. They can do anything with their bodies and just... Wake up the next day, and they're fine. I wake up with injuries. I mean, this is my reality now. 
And sometimes, I, you know, like, like lately, I haven't been able to turn my, oh, look at this. Must be the adrenaline right now. It's just, I can turn, I can turn my neck all the way. Last night, I couldn't. I was like, ah, ah. So I, whenever that happens, I go to the medicine cabinet. I pull out some icy hot. Come on, somebody. Icy hot. It's, it's like heaven and hell in one bottle. It goes on cool, and you think, oh, that's just what I need. But how many know the heat's coming? <laughs> and then you feel the heat, and you're like, oh, why did I do this to myself? But I notice that when I put that on and I go to bed, I wake up, and I'm like, ooh, look at that. Look at It did what it needed to do. See, sometimes, friend, the word of God will burn. Sometimes the word of God will be uncomfortable. I'll say something you don't agree with. I don't like that he said that. I don't like that he said that. Sometimes people leave. They leave. While I'm preaching, they leave. Can you believe this? <laughs> and every once in a while, like one of our ushers will run up to me and say, I can't believe you know, when, when you mentioned that thing about that thing, you know that some people left. I said, yeah. So what? That's what happened to Jesus. Like Jesus said stuff all the time, and all the time people were like, I'm done. <laughs> And then one time they wanted to throw him off a cliff because they were so mad at what he said. See, the, the truth doesn't feel good all the time, but the truth ultimately produces good over the long haul. And it cleans us and it purifies us and it wipes out that junk, that jealousy, that lust, that envy, that bitterness, that unresolved, that unresolved anger. And the Lord wants to speak into your life and hurt you to ultimately heal you. So... The question I'd have is, what's your response to the pruning processes of the Father? In your notes, it says this. With pruning comes two kinds of responses. And you can either become blameful or fruitful. So this is how you know if you're a vital Christian or are you a formal Christian. A vital Christian responds to God's pruning process with fruitfulness. More joy. More anticipation. God is working on me. I don't, I don't like what I'm experiencing, but I know that God is working on me. And a formal Christian, somebody who goes through the forms of Christianity, but they have no life with God, they get blameful. God, how could you? God, where are you? God, I'm mad at you. And it's okay to get mad at God. It's not okay to stay mad at God. And sometimes God does things that hurt us. It proves us, it gives us pain. And if you're one of those blameful, and here's how you know, you're always blaming God or the people. And by the way, politicians love formal Christians. Because formal Christians play right into their game of blame the other side. It's the rich person's fault. It's the white person's fault. It's the black person's fault. It's the male's fault. It's the female's fault. It's all these other people. That's, that's just politics 101. Let me give you somebody to blame for your problems so that you never have to let the healing work of Jesus go deep into your hearts and change you. Oh, I'm preaching right now, and I know you're, I'm preaching because you're so quiet. Are you a blamer or are you a fruitful person, a fruit bearer? And it's funny because this is how the Bible opens up with Adam and Eve sinning and they run from God and God chases them down and finds them. He's the one who finds us. And he says, what happened? And what does Adam say? The woman. <laughs> That's the first words out of his mouth. The woman you gave me. 
I was happy with the monkeys and the giraffes. I was fine. But you came up with this, right? And what does the woman say? Serpent. Yeah, that serpent. That, 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 by the way, I think you created that serpent, God. Didn't you create? That's your creation right there. What did the serpent say? The serpent had no leg to stand on. <laughs> Bad preacher joke, I know. <laughs> Blame game is natural, normal, and human. And if you live in blame, you will never change. At some point, at some point, you got to stop blaming somebody else for all your problems. Married people. Listen. <laughs> Learn how to say this regularly to yourself. The problem with my marriage is me. Ouch. Icy, hot. <laughs> the problem with my marriage is Oh, you got to practice it a little bit more. The problem with my marriage is let God change you and produce in you the fruits of righteousness internally and externally and see that fruit start to change them. There was a great preacher in the last century. He died recently, and he was not a Christian for a long time in his life. His wife got saved, and she got saved. And she totally changed how she treated him without bickering and badgering him. She just changed everything about how she treated him. And he saw it and he hated it because he didn't want to be a Christian. And he was more nasty to her for years. More nasty. And eventually, all of her kindness and forgiveness and love and grace to this man wore him down to the point that he said, you know what? When you first became a Christian, I hated the idea, and I, came, I became more angry and more hateful towards you. And, 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 and no matter what I do, you're just more loving and more generous. And he says, there must be something to it. He gave his life to Christ, and he was one of the great evangelists of the last century. That's the power of letting God change you. It has the power to change your situation. Change starts here. Don't blame. Let God's pruning work go in you and produce fruit through you. Number two. I am energized through time with Jesus. So you want to have a life that is filled with the power of God? Spend time with the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus says in verse 4, abide in me, and then I in you. And I love that little phrase, I in you, in your notes, underline, and I in you, because when you spend time with Jesus, he gets in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So how do we spend time with Jesus? Letter A, and please ignore the hyphens here. It was a typo on my bad. Uh, letter A is we spend time with Jesus through personal devotional habits. Do you have a personal devotional habits habit? Do you, do, you, do you take time out in your day to spend time with the Lord? Any relationship worth having is going to require time on your part for you and that person to be alone together. We, we, we call this, in the Christian world, we call this personal devotional habits. So, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, when you spend time with God, get in the shelter of God, alone with Him. Another translation says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. A secret place is where you are alone with Him and nobody else knows. You're just alone with the Lord. 
And you spend time with them and you abide there. Abide is another, is a word that means to remain or stay. We get another word from the same root that we get the word abide from. It's called the word abode. An abode is where you go home to. You go back to your abode. You abide in your abode. You stay there. You stay in time with Jesus. A lot of Christians don't have this practice. I'm telling you to get into the practice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend, or I'm sorry, I want you to start your day with Jesus. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. Start your day with Jesus. Are you doing that? Have you ever thought about doing that? Did you used to do that and lately you haven't been doing that? This is what I've got to do. I got to spend time with Jesus before I spend time with anybody else. I, I don't just wake up and turn the television on. That's just junk. And even if it's news, it's just bad news. You don't wake up and check your email first thing. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't wake up and check your Facebook and your social Instagrams and all that kind of Don't do that first. First things first. Get alone with Jesus and say, Father I come to you in the name of Jesus and I know I'm going to have a battle today one way or the other and I pray that you strengthen me for the fight that's ahead. I'm telling you, if you do this, you'll have a much better day. A much, much, much better day. But you got to do some things to have some personal time with Jesus, okay? They're real simple. I'm going to really boil this down. There's no space to fill in blanks here. You're just going to have to write these down somewhere else, maybe on the back, okay? Uh, number one is get a Bible. <laughs> like that's like as simple as it gets. Get a Bible. And, and get a paper Bible. Do you know why I say get a paper Bible? Because this is a distraction-free device. You'll notice there is no dinging, no notifications. This thing never rings. I cannot access Google News with this sucker. And when I get alone with the, and I'm saying, I'm, look, I'm not being legalistic. I'm just saying, let's be strategic. Because if I, if I only have the Bible on my device, it just takes me a couple of moments before I get a notification, or I'm going to my emails, or I'm checking my other things I want to say, or I'm playing my video games, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, that's enough. You know, you're, you're in time. No, no, this, this doesn't allow you to do that. Well, put this in another room, and get this into a room with you uh, alone, and start reading God's holy word. You say, where do I start? Start in John. First John, somewhere in the New Testament, do not go to Lamentations. <laughs> do not go to Leviticus, okay? Number two, get a Bible you understand. So, so don't get a Bible that you can't understand and read. Like, don't get the ones that are written in King James English. Get one that is very common and easy to understand. The New Living Translation is a great devotional Bible. The Message Translation, the message is so cool. The message is so cool. Because the message is in total modern English, like Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Like the message is like, whoever dwells in God's hood is good. Amen. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Like that's a great translation. It was a paraphrase. It's not a real translation, but it's a paraphrase. And it's really good. I love the message translation. Uh, number three, underline and mark up your Bible. Underline it. Mark it up. Right in the notes, margins. Even as I'm preaching, you should do this. Have it open, and you're filling in things. Oh, this was what the Lord spoke to me today. So that you open your Bible someday, and there it is reminding you. I need to be reminded. That's why we do the notes, so that you can be reminded of what we talk about someday in the future, and you can be refed the Word of God. Thank you so much, Colin, 
for rescuing the note page for me. And, and so you have it for later. Underline it. You say, I don't want to mark up the Bible. It's so nice. It's so clean. I don't want to make a mess out of the Bible. It's just paper. Get a new one when that one's all worn out. I have found that the people who wear out their Bibles are the strongest Christians around. A Bible that's falling apart is usually in the hands of somebody whose life isn't. That was good preaching right there. <laughs> Underline, mark it up, highlight it, do all that kind of stuff. And then number four, memorize the Bible. Not the whole thing. Take you too long. But you can memorize verses that give you strength in the moment. Jesus had it memorized. So when the devil came and tempted him, he said, it is written. It is written where? In God's word. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Memorize the Bible. You can memorize. Don't give me the excuse you can't memorize. You can. Oh, say can you see. What? You can memorize. It's just a matter of what you choose to memorize. And you get into the word of God, and then the Bible says, I have, hidden my, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is our greatest defense against sin? Not willpower. Word power. God's word. What is our greatest defense against temptation? God's word. What is our great, greatest defense against pride and arrogance? God's word. What is the greatest source of, of truth for every marriage that's in trouble? God's word. Not man's word. God's word. It's empowering, and it'll give you a vital connection to God. Okay, we spend time, letter B, with Jesus in corporate gatherings. That's what we're doing right now. You got to make church a non-negotiable. Let's not get in the habit of not meeting together, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25. Don't let, don't let it become a habit that you're out of church every week. Let it rather be your habit that you're in church every week. Non-negotiable. So kids, sports comes secondary. So activities and family outings come secondary to meeting with God's people in God's house. Let those things, let your priorities as a home say that we go to church as a family and we worship God as a family and that's not going to be negotiated. My, my kids, every once in a while, they come to me, I want to stay overnight on Saturday night with my friends. And we're like, no, we have church. But everybody else, no, we have church. What am I doing? I am teaching my children. We do not negotiate with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most important place for our family to be on the weekend. Number three, I, en I am energized through profitable prayer. Now, what you're going to find is that point one and point two build up to point three. Because Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay. Jesus is not saying that there's a secret to getting whatever you want. He's prefaced, answered prayer with, you're, abide, you're spending time with me, and I'm getting into you, and I'm reshaping you. I'm giving you the desires that you should have. This is what's true for every single one of us, whether we want to agree with it or not. There are things you want right now that you think you should want, and God knows you shouldn't want. And it's only a matter of time before you wake up to the reality that God was right. Right? I, say, I share this story all the time, but there's always that girl in high school that you fawned over, 
right? I had one. You fawn over, oh, Lord, please, oh, please, Lord, let her like me, let her like me, Lord, please, please, she's so beautiful. Have you seen her, Lord? She's so beautiful. And then you don't get her, and God says, no, 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 no. And 15 years later, you look her up on Facebook, and you say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. You're so wise. (laughs) There are things that you want right now, that you shouldn't want, and God knows it. So you start to get your heart and your wants shaped by the word of God. And profitable prayer. What is profitable prayer? That's what it is. Prayer shaped by God's word. Fill in the blanks. Prayer shaped by God's word. So that you pray in accordance with God's will. And you don't waste time on things that God doesn't want for you. And they're answered. And so I think about there's informed prayer and uninformed prayer. Like, One of the big ones that you guys ask me for, too, a lot, is this. Can you pray for my my child? He he needs to come to Jesus. And I never pray for the child. No. No, 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 no. That's uninformed prayer. Do you know what I pray for? I pray for the father to draw the child to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, informed by the word of God, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. That's the blueprint. So I would waste my breath saying, please, Lord, let them find you. They aren't looking for him. The prayer should be, Father in heaven, through your sovereign grace, would you draw that child to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now I'm praying in accordance with God's word, informed prayer. And in every area of your life, you can pray for this. How to pray for my marriage. Pray, husbands, help me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, help me to submit to my husband, though I want to bash him over the head with a bat sometimes. (laughs) Father, I pray these things. Okay, number four. (laughs) I am energized through participating in the love of God in community. And you say, well, what's the difference? You just talked about corporate gatherings. Yes, there's big corporate gatherings. This is the big corporate gathering. But now I'm talking about that small little gathering. We call them small groups. The first thing Jesus had before he ever had a large crowd, friends, he had a small group. Isn't that interesting? He had 12 guys he hung out and did life with. Who's your small group? Who's your connection? This is how you practice the commandment of Jesus here in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You have joy through the commandments of God. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And you cannot love one another if you have no others in the family of God that you're connected to. We have 80 small groups, 600 people in small groups as of right now. Fantastic, but there are still some of you that have yet to jump into the pool And I'm talking to you today. Get into a small group and learn to love the family of God more deeply than any other group of people on the planet. It is possible. One last story about small groups just to kind of sell you on it and then I'm done. We had a a family come to our church recently. They got saved here. They got baptized here. And it took them a year to get into a small group. They joined a small group about two months ago. And we've, we've been having quite the winter, haven't we? We had quite the winter. We had all these storms, yes? Y'all lost power, you know? So this couple that had just joined a small group 
lost their power for the entire weekend after one storm. And I was talking to them after this, after the storm. And I said, how are you doing today? And they said, oh, we're fine. We're back in our house. I said, oh, what happened? We lost power for the whole week. Oh, that's terrible. I said, what'd you do? I said, well, you know that we lost power and our small group leader connected with us. We just joined the small group a week earlier. The small group leader connected with us and let us know that they, we could come over their house for the duration of the time that our house was without power. They went moved in with their small group leader that they had just got into connection with and spent the whole weekend powered up by their small group association. This is the power of the church being the church. And what a picture, right? No power before, and now you got power. Why? Because you got connected in community, and you were strengthened and built up and strong for the fight of faith. This is what God wants for you. Don't be a formal Christian. Don't go through the motions. Get connected and let your life be strong in Jesus.